0: welcome back to lantern rouge cycling podcast maybe our earliest ever stream or recording of the Ooh. podcast three three ten in the afternoon fifteen hundred and ten in benji's hours
1: Wollongong world championships was pretty
0: early <laughs> oh, true yeah i mean if you can when we when we were in australia or you had to cover australia that's a little bit different um but we have the first proper mountain stage of the kratom de dauphine we had a heavy favorite to win the stage actually he was at longer than i expected i i was like really because <laughs> and know there's a reason for that because. If the Breakaway wins, of course, Fingerguide can't win, it's, but it's a 150k stage, and the organisers have designed this stage in such a way that it makes it so likely for GC to win, from Port de Savoy yep. to Côte de la and that's because of this 50k pancake flat valley to start. So what, unless... Like Nielsen Paulus he mentioned this in the Netflix doco. You know, he's 70 kgs, maybe 67 kgs, classic sky. He can get in the break on the flat, but the pure climbers struggle. So that suits Raleurs. Then you have the Cold lump Madeleine, 25k, 6% in steps as steeper sections, descent, valley. Then the Col du Mallard, this is where coverage started in the valley before there, 18Ks, 5.5%, but steeper in the first 12Ks, short descent, and then they have the Col de la Crote affair, which is in two parts. The first part is false flat, 30 to 40 KPH, 4%, Mm -hmm. 3% type operation, and then it gets steep. The final ramp from saint saens is is 6.5Ks, 8.2%. So do you agree, Benji, that the organisers designed this in such a way to make sure G- uh, the GC group or someone from that group won the stage.
1: Yes, certainly, because also the length of the stage, the 150 kilometers makes it so that a team like Jumbo, they only really have to control the initial section towards the first climb, and then someone will probably start basing. Then a von Hoidonk would probably start basing that climb, is what we expected on a stage like this. So I wasn't expecting the break to win necessarily. There's always a slight chance that it happens on the offset, but... I would argue that it was pretty clear that the GC would likely be the winners today. And if we took a look at the last couple of stages, it was pretty obvious who was the strongest in the GC group last few stages. Let's see if it happens today. But let's get to the breakaway for a second. There is a breakaway that forms, and it's exactly like you say, because Cavana, Mikkels, Perez, and Campanards in the first group, the majority of that are rulers, right? As that can do well on the flat, but have like a tiny bit of clapping capabilities. I'd say that Mikkels is probably the the least climbing of the bunch there because he's like an actual sprinter even though he is yeah okay getting over some hills but then we get to the other riders that try to join the breakaway, and this is where it gets interesting my friend the last couple of days we've always been rather negative but constructively negative towards Groupama that they failed to put people in the breakaway on stages where that might be the most viable option to win the stage and on today's stage they put people in the breakaway which I Adore, but it's also on the stage that it's least likely to do anything.
0: Oh, who did they put but in the break?
1: Thompson, they put in the break. Maduaz, they put in the breakaway. Those riders were trying to get in the breakaway early on. Sepulveda tried to join Latour and Verche for Total energy, to- Tobias Bayer, Charmik. So these widers tried to get in the breakaway, but it was a weird breakaway because I swear when the broadcast started, I only saw one man left.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because... that's why I didn't know because... Well, Matawaz is a good name. He's the exact type yeah. guy because he's, you know, that over 65 kilos classics guy, but he topped ten the Tour de France last year if you take out Quintana's result. Um, so he's that perfect blend. But yeah, it's, were they there defensively to help Godou and Martinez? I, I don't know. But you're right, it's, it's a tricky stage. Thompson's a young Kiwi climber. Obviously, um, him and Pithy, I've always got my eye on hoping they do well uh, over yeah. at FDJ. But what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. It is actually – I don't mind the coverage of the Dauphiné. I feel like we're on almost half holiday, Benji, because we, it's an, we're actually an hour and a half of the stage done by 3 p.m. We yeah. live our life. We can ride. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't ride today. I got <laughs> My legs are thrashed. I just walked up the mountain. But the it actually is difficult, though, in all seriousness. I find it much more difficult to really be super critical of a team if I haven't watched break formation because yep. – you see the break form, you say, why didn't you get in? But if you haven't if you can't watch it, maybe Yumbo shut you down ten times with five strong rulers and you couldn't. Yep. Um so it, it is in the Tour de France I, I can be a lot more confident and we can say, Okay, they really didn't try to get in. Yeah. X against your name. Anyway, Campinas was the last man to make it. He he came to this race, I think, looking to train Benji. And to be honest, he mm-hmm. was quite impressive to hold it that that long solo, but he does The Mollard climb, uh, which was very gradual and consistent. Van Hooydonk was put on the front for Jumbo-Visma. I don't think they cared about Campenaz, right? Because Jumbo-Visma kept pacing before, way after Campenaz was any stage threat. Jumbo-Visma were pacing to make the race hard with Van Hooydonk. That's how I read it.
1: Yes, but I also believe that they wanted the stage anyway. So at some point, they would have started caring about Campenaz if he was still ahead towards the end. It was just likely that Campanats would be caught as a side effect of what Nathan van Hooydonk was doing there. But you're talking about van Hooydonk pacing, but we didn't necessarily see the pacing happening on the first climb while Jumbo was controlling the peloton, uh, the breakaway, technically, controlling from the peloton. Now, why was Ineos pacing on the first climb? Because I've seen shots of Ineos pacing on the first climb, on the Molar climb, in the peloton, where they were supposedly pacing quite hard, because the group was not gigantic after the Molar climb. And yes, they've got Bernal, yes, they've got Martinez, who both are not looking amazing. I'm happy to see where Bernal is at. It's better than what I would have expected a year and a half ago. But it's still not at the level where I say this team should now pick up the race and try everything at it to try and make sure that their race is harder for Bernal.
0: Well forget, forget Jonas. Yeah. Bernal and Martinez aren't on the level of Adam Yates right now, nor yep. O'Connor, nor Hindley. That was obvious from the previous stages and the rest of the season, particularly with, with Jates. Uh, Ineos, really, they're clueless. They are clueless. They are living in an era where they think it's 2015 and 2016 and they want to take control of the race and, and do something. But they're not doing anything, right?
1: It's Always not the like, same.
0: no, but it's not like, okay, they do, like, like Yumbo weren't pacing Telegraph in yep. on the Grenon stage. They weren't pacing it. And all of a sudden, Benoît does a 30 second sprint lead out for Roglic at the top, over the top. That's yeah. doing something. They're just setting a hard tempo. They're not going, okay, Yumbo got no, Yumbo have no pure climbing domestique here. So if we actually, bl- I mean, Vault is good, but last <laughs> yeah, 10 guys, yeah, no. Yeah. So. They're not thinking, okay, let's use our numbers and actually go crazy and Frailer will go on the descent with, with Bernal and will attack over the top. No, it's just setting a hard tempo. It's just what are you doing? Like you're not yep. you're not even the second or third best in this race. So maybe they can't read a Watts graph. Um I probably can't, but yeah, that's that's what they were doing. So <laughs> I mean Yumbo would have been happy with that because they probably would have been short on well, anyway, yep. coverage starts, and yeah, Van Hooydonk's pacing, the group is thinning 50 to 40 to maybe 35. No one serious has dropped off Van Hooydonk's pacing. And then Cambenhast is pretty much reeled in maybe 10 seconds. He does get over the top of mm-hmm. Malo- Mollard himself. And then Van Bala goes pacing Benji on the last three Ks yep. and drops Van Hooydonk. So Jumbo were clearly trying to like make the race as hard as possible using every uphill section. I was like, that's surprising, because you could have... Why drop Van Hooydunk 500 meters from the top?
1: Yeah, you could have gotten him over the top and then push harder, but maybe they thought, we've got the strength anyway to do it anyway. So maybe that's the thought process they had. Van Baal is here, and yes, Van Baal has been dropping early in the last couple of stages, but I also believe that Yomba has shown over the years that they're actively dropping people on purpose in one-week races. I think Grand Tours as well, because in multiple occasions, I think in... Paris-Nice last year or Dauphine last year where they pulled Wout van last year Wout van dropped early on certain stages to make sure he was there on the valuable moments for Roglic in that race that happens here as well from ball is dropping early on purpose in some stages Walter's dropping early in uh probably yesterday probably I would say that Walter dropped early on purpose
0: and... Nah, he just he just he really? sucks in positioning yeah
1: oh okay well that, that's another <laughs> well, explanation no, he, no,
0: no, no. no you're, you're half right yeah he was dropped and he could have chased back on and then got dropped five minutes later, but he just parked it, yeah. So that's the
1: example that we see here where Van Ball is suddenly, he's there. And that is because he's he's meant to be here. <laughs> and it's okay. I'm, this sounds very philosophical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was meant to face this missed climb in <laughs> 20 minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Yumbo spacing, and we all know what's going to happen, but it's like gradually, and we get towards the the last portion of the stage, which the last six kilometers are the steepest of the Quadra Ferry. We, we know that it's actually the steepest part of the climb. The first part is not super steep. So I didn't expect any action on the on the not so steep part, but I feel like there was already damage done. But the ultimate damage was done in a very short period of time.
0: Well, yeah, because they don't have Kus or Kellerman here or even who crashed out. So they don't have... Volta is performing out of his skin, but Volta yeah. can't pull for, for 10... 15 minutes on crowd affair at, yep. at a fast enough pace. So same with the Um, And so the flatter false flat section, they kept Van Baal for. he paced that at it. You know, it's we're talking 35 kilometers an hour. Jonas moves back in the group a little bit. This is what really hurts, I think, riders like Lenny Martinez, um, who was great on Lowport, and he's having an outstanding neo pro season. But doing those big watts and the big ring in the lead into the climb uphill, I think it really saps the legs of some of the smaller guys. Yates yeah, seemed to be fine with it. Um, maybe hurt Hindley as well. And yeah, it the descent. I will go back to the descent as well. Alaphilippe was following Vingegaard around. Do you notice that? It was weird and Mowry because they were... did a lead out over the top of Mollard. Yeah. Well, they they tried. I feel like Van
1: Baal won the battle there because they tried to move forward with Van Severen and with Alaphilippe in the wheel, but yeah. then Van Baal overtook them just before the top. And they were back in the same position they were before they made that move. Yeah. So I think it was battle for positioning, but Alpha he wasn't gonna do fuck all today.
0: So no, well lie. he actually rode fully for GC. He's riding for top 10 on GC here. Yeah, but he is. That, that's why he was following Jonas around. I was like, he's like following overlapping wheels every corner. I was like, please. Um I have noticed that Benoit and Volta have really they struggled on the descents this week. Mm-hmm. Um and I think. Van Baal is better. Jonas is better than them. Sepp is better than them. And yeah, I've seen Volta and Benoit dropping the wheel a fair bit, actually, on the descents. Anyway, get to the climb. Benoit does a super hard lead out. Uh, It's not really shown too much, but he just does a super hard lead out for for Vingegaard. And then Volta, the camera cuts away to the back for a long time, maybe like when Benoit poor Benoit, he does his whole pull and all that's shown is the damage at the back. We see Lander gone. Godu gone. Straight away. Anyone else? of serious repute. Ooh, I think those were the most notable
1: names at that point in the race. There's people that drop after those riders drop, but let's talk about that for a second. 5.7K to go, we see Landa and Godou drop, like you just said. They need to find something for the Tour de France because this is not the form where Godou can go to the team and Landa can go to the team and say, everybody needs to ride for me. After Paranis, Godou could have said that.
0: He did, but say that. <laughs> he did say, not after Dolfin. He did say. He said it in, in, a, in, a, in a French Discord. <laughs> he, said he wouldn't get in the elevator. Demar wouldn't get in the elevator with him. Um, <laughs> to be fair to Lander and Bahrain, they don't operate in quite a traditional hierarchical sense. Like Bilbao was already getting to go for his own race. He's at Swiss, I think. Um, they'll still go for stages with Fred Wright anyway, because they know London's probably not. He's not going to win the Tour de France, um, but for his own result, yeah. If he wants to even top 10 the to Tour de France, yeah. he, they, they are both miles off that form, top 10. And I know teams do altitude camps a little bit differently. Uh, and now I think it was a thing maybe seven years ago, you say, ah, oh, they just came back from altitude. They've got no legs. I think a lot of teams have proved that you can come back from altitude absolutely firing. So, yeah. But maybe they don't train like that. I don't know. But yeah, they need to find something. Guru said, I think I read something, something in the French press, because my French is impeccable, obviously. And
1: Big Garbage, my friend.
0: It actually is not bad. I get roasted all the time. Um, and anyway, he was saying he's not too worried. Uh, he did a lot of work beforehand. and Okay. But I'm worried for him. Um, because Lenny, <laughs> yeah, free Lenny. Anyway, Benoit pulls off, and then the camera changes, and then Volta's off on his own. And what's happened is Volta has gotten super pumped. He's done the lead out. Vingegaard's on Yates' wheel, and then Mike is in front of Yates, and then Mike is like, "I don't need to follow you, Volta, doing seven and a half watts per kilo, and let the gap go." And then Volta's looked around, and then I was like, "Maybe he should just keep, keep going, going at a decent pace and have Vingegaard attack across to him, and then do like what they did in Bass Country on the Ibar stage." And that's sort of what happened, right? Vingegaard closed the gap himself, but he was Dead attacking. What-
1: it was kind of odd, because somehow, I don't know if Valter slowed or whether UAE paced a bit harder suddenly, but the gap kind of got closer after it went wider for a second. And that's when Vingegaard got past the UAE riders and got to the wheel of Valter, it's how I saw it. Must could have been different in reality, but that's how I saw that situation. and Then we get this moment where this speed up of Vingegaard getting to Valter's wheel, plus Valter now speeding up with Vingegaard in the wheel, at the pace that he initially wanted to set, that UAE didn't want to follow, completely evaporates half of the group. Because, while Micah was able to do his own tempo, he can't uphold the tempo that Valter is doing for way long. And he basically drops to the group, and we see the other GC rides, the Hindleys of the world, the Ben O'Connors of the world, Max Pool, and so forth, kind of uh, looking at each other, but getting in the wheel still of those riders, but it wasn't going to take long because Valter had thinned this group down to eight riders, I would say, eight, nine riders. It and even less. That that indeed becomes less. That indeed becomes less because I swear there were four riders then and then three riders, which was Valter, Vingegaard, and Adam Yates, but the others were still in the wheel until someone decided to go on an adventure.
0: Yeah, Vingegaard mean, just sort of attacked from the front um, and yeah, it got separation. Yates yeah, couldn't respond to the attack and then they settle into a tempo. Max Pull, uh, incredible, like yep. to be there with those guys at that point. Whereas Haig is a bit more experienced, and Haig was like, I'll let you. Die there. Haig's not going to try to follow Vingegaard and Yates for a second. He's going to do his own tempo because he knows, like, you can't follow them unless you're peak pog, maybe. So, yeah, Vingegaard goes clear, and that's pretty much we know the stage is over. The question is, what will the gap be? I've got to say, Yates held it decently. The gap went, quickly went to 15 seconds, and I know that yeah. the timing was a little bit off, and maybe it hovered at 18 seconds when it really was 25 for a fair bit. But I feel like Yates wasn't going that much slower than Vingegaard, And frankly, if he was on the wheel, I don't know. And I think that's the difference between Yates and Poggy here. Peak Poggy doesn't get dropped straight away by Jonas there yeah. uh, at the start of a 6K, 7K climb. And he's in the wheel, and it's like, well, now he's getting the draft benefit at 20 kph. Is Jonas going to keep going? So that's the difference between Poggi and and Yates, obviously, uh, there. And yeah, Jonas just rides away with it and and wins the stage. There's really nothing too complicated to say about it. Yates is clearly the best of the rest. Um, He got no No. draft for almost the entirety of the steep section or the climb and uh, finished, I think, uh, let me have a look, 41 seconds behind. Uh, Vingar, but I want to talk about the battle for the podium and, and top five because that's kind of where there were dynamics. <laughs> Hinley and O'Connor sprung forth to be the best of the rest of the rest mm-hmm. behind Jates, and also Jates is going, is, is leaf frogging O'Connor on GC virtually here, and they were sort of pulling. Henley looked good though, Benji. He looks he looks in good shape actually. Yeah, is
1: it odd that I would say that I expect. A lot from him, knowing that he was in not this amount of form before the two Giros that he was good at.
0: Because I mean, Terreno, he was not bad on E top five GC, right?
1: Yeah, but I, I swear that I'm, I'm feeling like he's the, the potential third rider on the podium at the Tour at the moment.
0: Yes, he did a very, very good TT. I would say this is a very, very good profile for him. Mm-hmm. The it's very similar to Fedaya, not as hard, but the way it's false flat before a hard day before shortish stage up to over 2000 meters with a steep 20 minute finish is very, very good for him. Um, yeah. And he's performed on this before. So I wasn't surprised he performed so well and he did. And he basically drops O'Connor eventually from that group and O'Connor nearly gets back to his wheel. O'Connor was working with Martinez and Martinez was on his wheel trying to get back across. But Hinley, yeah, he goes and nearly catches Yates actually. He finished the climb very strong. 53 seconds behind Vingegaard, 12 seconds behind Yates. O'Connor was kind of in the middle. And I feel like if O'Connor sat in the Poole-Hague group mm-hmm. and did one big burst later, I think he actually gets closer to Hinley. But he was trying to get back to the wheel and Poole and Haig Haig, I think, was running for top five GC. So, yeah, Hindley, and he was more marking Martinez, Martin, Menkes, and Train, and Chavez. And they were all behind him, so he was happy with, uh, to just work with Poole, who's also minutes behind him. So, yeah, they ride right in. Poole fifth, Haig, Martin, Trine. Very good result from him. Martinez, yeah. Menkes, Rodriguez, all in that group on 110. Carlos Rodriguez dropped on 116. So the Ineos guys were kind of all over the mountain. One day, uh, I think. Carlos. Yeah, eleventh, I believe. Yes. Uh Bernal fourteenth, so they were sort of all over the place. He lost one twenty-seven, only seventeen seconds behind the Pool Hay group. Uh, Johanneson lost a lot. Carapaz really bad, two ten, a full minute behind the sort of top five guys. Alaphilippe is only five seconds behind him. He mate, was going for his mate, top ten. Yeah.
1: GC jalal has gone, my friend, tomorrow. Unless the descents are the Yay. ability that brings him back to the group every time.
0: It's him. So he's got to defend his top 10 against Martin Menkes' train and Chavez. He's not got much of a gap on them either. Uh, Godou lost three minutes. Mars lost 250. He also needs to find something before the Tour, the, the tour de France. Uh, revised GC. Vingergaard on 211 ahead of Yates. Uh, Yates, <laughs> yeah, it's a big gap. Uh O'Connor on 224, Hindley on 236, Haig moves into fifth on 304, Martinez 327, Alfleet 348, and then, yeah, Martin Menke's trying. So, what do we learn from this, Benji?
1: <laughs> what do we learn from this? That Max Pool's a, a good rider. Yeah. That I would say that I want to bring up a topic that might not be the obvious one, but I would say that the thing we learn from this is that if your plan is to go to the Twitter de France with Pogachar and Adam Yates as a duo to battle against Vingegaard, then Adam Yates won't be in that battle. It will just be Pogachar versus Vingegaard, which is still a possible 1v1 scenario that Pogachar can win. But I don't believe in Adam Yates versus Vingegaard at any point for the Tour de France.
0: Um, I don't think Pog's that much better than Yates' climbing level right now.
1: Pog is a much better rider.
0: Yeah, overall, of course, but in terms of pure climbing, right now, I would—I'd be surprised yeah. if Pog was much better. He broke his arm; like, not been not been able to train properly. Yates has been, yeah,
1: yeah. But let's say they're both not on the level. There's no way they can outplay him tactically. I feel like.
0: Uh, I think they will. I think UAE are going to use two leaders. I'm pretty sure of it.
1: Yeah, but do you think it will work? That's the thing.
0: No, but <laughs> it's fun. Um, I enjoyed the thought of it. I mean, there's other st- there's some medium mountain stages in week two where, like, what if, what if Wilco is no good? What if Sep is no good after the Giro? What if <laughs> Wout can't climb at the level? What if Benot didn't you know can't climb that long? I don't know, you got to try something, right? Because I don't think they're going to just burn Yates GC, is what I'm saying. I don't think they will.
1: I don't think they will either. I agree with that. But I still believe that the only chance for them to win the Tour de France is Pogacar winning the race at the end. And I still believe that Pogacar can win the race regardless of the wrist. Doesn't matter. I don't think he's favored right now. Vingo is favored after this Dauphiné. Because Pogacar's wrist is a notable issue that he has to overcome for the Twitter de and his training has been impacted and so forth. But that doesn't change that Pogacar can win this Twitter de um, Yeah,
0: it's not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. If, I mean, maybe he wins the Slovenian National Champs TT. I mean, yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs>
1: You're really, really negative on Pogacar right now.
0: As in his chances. He has zero chance to win. Okay. If Jonas doesn't crash out. Okay. Um, which is possible. Or Jonas freaks out or whatever. Like, remember Jonas panicking every medium mountain stage when Poggy was trying to get in the break? <laughs> like, there's still ways for Jonas and Yumbo yeah. to fuck it up. So it's not just a Waspakilo equation on Puy Dome. There's lots of other places and difficult moments and yeah. question marks over Yumbo's team. So, yeah. And we haven't even finished the Dauphiné yet. Anyway uh regardless vingards looking looking pretty good one would say tomorrow's stage is actually very very difficult from le pont de clay to la bastille grenoble so they go into uh grenoble and then do this like absolute wall finish but it's a hard stage beforehand this one starts uphill, so we the break mm-hmm. is winning tomorrow. I'm pretty sure of it. Six k's six percent start, but there's other climbing in there too. Then they do another four k seven percent climb. Then there's a up and down valley, and then the hardest climb of the stage is mm-hmm. with 50 k's to go, 60 k's to go. The Col de Granier, which is 10 k's, eight point seven percent, not to high altitude, but that is very steep, and and there's the last two kilometers of that average eleven um, percent. Then there's no more flat for the rest of the stage. There's three more climbs after that. Um, Col de Couchon, 7K, 6%, short descent. Col de Port, 7.5K, 6.6%, long descent to sea level almost. And then a 1.8K, 14% finish. So that's disgusting, um, that finish. If anyone wants to win GC, Benji, they've got to go on Col de Granier. But yeah, but they can't because UAE don't say Pog was here, right? Pog yeah. was here, him and Yates both on a minute or whatever they're on, two minutes. They're both on two Pog minutes. Good on definitely. Yeah. yeah. So and you try to get someone in the break, right?
1: Exactly. But the issue here is you were gonna say it, but I'm gonna steal it because you stole my Almeida pick in the Giro preview, and I've <laughs> never
0: forgotten since then. <laughs> well, so you lost. So imagine if you won, then you'd be really pissed. <laughs> Then <laughs> I'd be really pissed. You can pick but it next it It's possible
1: for a while. <laughs> um, I would say, when it comes to the top 10, that there's, there's just no teams with two riders that can per se go for it with Lando and Hake. Lando's just on, like, Lando's in the Shadow Realm right now.
0: So. Oh, Lando's not serious right now, yeah.
1: He can go in the breakaway, and then if it doesn't work to go in the breakaway, he'll probably ride off to the team bust in the same way that he did in that Velta, remember? Instead of helping out the team that Velta. Oh, out. yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, for the rest of the teams, you've got Hindley, Buchmann. Buchman's in the Shadow Realm as well. Then we've got Ala who's solo and just wants to survive in the top 10 at this point. Tron will just try and survive for Uno X. Martin will try and survive. Mankey's as well. O'Connor, not the kind of ride that will attack on Granier. He's going to no. play it negatively Podium. between brackets, but that's because he needs to to get the best result for himself. And that's, that's the same for many people. Hindley, yeah, he's good, but... What's he going to do to win the race? They're all fighting for podium at the moment. Who's going to pace and... for him? <laughs> Not Buchmann.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing. You know, you need... First of all, you need a special rider. Secondly, you need a very strong team. And... And thirdly, you need Cajones.
1: And you need to be able to pace more than Jumbo, because Jumbo might unironically open up the race for Vingegaard to just have some fun. Because he knows he can win the stage if the gap is close. Now, I agree that the breakaway is more likely because of the start being uphill and so forth, but I feel like it might be a similar scenario, perhaps. Like, then the Granko, Co- no, then the, oh, come on, the, the Rom stage, Pogacar, where turns win the stage and Pogacar doesn't come yeah, th- yeah. too far after, in the same way that someone can win the stage and Vingegaard might not be too far after because agree, he just dropped everybody case. on Granier. But the problem is, you think
0: Vingegaard will open up on Granier? No. No. I think it would be fun. I would love it. I would. It's such a, it's something, this is the sort of stage, if Roglic was leading by a minute and a half, this is the Roglic capitulation stage, <laughs> where someone starts low, like pacing super hard on Grenier, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, and then all of a sudden he's fucking getting dropped on the second last climb. This is Paranese Stage 8, but this is like, this is a super hard mountain version of Paranese yeah. Stage 8. I really like yeah. the stage design. It's a shame the way the race has worked out that I don't think anything will happen on Granier, frankly, because if you're Ineos and Pay, well, first of all, Ineos guys are now really far behind, but they are the guys that have they have three guys within three minutes. Yeah. In theory, you try something there. But Yumbo won't care because AG2R will chase. Bernal will. Bora will chase. So many Bahrain will chase. Every other top 10 team will chase, so... That's difficult for them, but yeah, I think as well for Jumbo, Visma and Jonas, it's like 2K is 14%. You can put in loads of time there too, so... Yeah. I think break wins, but I agree. Mm-hmm. I reckon the guy who... There'll be probably be two people solo, and they'll get to the base of Bastille, and then they'll be like, oh, they got a nice lead, and then suddenly the GC group start flying, and <laughs> they'll be crawling, uh, and probably win by less than a minute, maybe. So... Yeah, I think uh, it's a shame Godou's so close on GC. Like, he's on seven minutes. Maybe they do let him in. I doubt it. Um, So he would would have been a good one to win the stage. Landers now on 10 minutes. Who have you got, Benji?
1: God damn it. Why did you have to throw it at me right now? Because I'm going through the list right now to see if people lost time on purpose, and I don't necessarily see that too much. I think step will be in the break because there's no other reason to not send people in the break next to Alaphilippe. Alaphilippe in the peloton the rest in the breakaway, the entire team, because why not? Except for one person, on to get water bottles for Alaphilippe and then do a lead out just before they get over the top of a hill. That makes no sense, but anyway. Um, people that can go in breakaways. What has been but- going on with Onli, by the way? Because like, I feel like he has yeah. been losing quite a bit of time.
0: Just no and, good. And,
1: um... Yeah, that, that's that's one of the things. But also, like, the GC riders that we mentioned that are now on a, a solid gap. Like, Landa's on 950. The dude has to get in the breakaway. Sean yeah. Poussin, 811, needs to get in the fucking breakaway. Buchman, yeah. 740, maybe. Sean Quinn, 11, and so forth. Juanpe, Juanpe, it's happening. 1246, Juanpe
0: wins. Juanpe's <laughs> a really good one, yeah. I mean, is on a really annoying gap. He's on yeah. 610. It's like... People aren't going to be that happy with you getting in the break if they're in the top ten on GC because he's only yeah. a minute and a half behind the tenth place. So Unox won't want Chicone or Mas in the breakaway, nor Gaudu, Champas, and Lander and Groschartner. I wouldn't be surprised to see Groschartner in the break. Uh, so yeah, but, those three you mentioned, and you said Juanpe all in that zone. Pernsteiner, I think. Where yeah. did he finish? And I, by the way, I'm, I'm picking I'm picking Pernsteiner you? to win. Ooh, you're
1: picking Pernsteiner. I don't. I don't.
0: He finished like 17th, 17th on the Pei. stage.
1: I also believe that Von Seyvanand will be in the break, by the way. I, I ranted on about Quickstep earlier, but it feels like a stage where Von Seyvanand will try to win the break. Since he's the climbing type, that can do good so. Good finish for him. Team. Yeah, but that being said, it's it's just written in the stats that Pe wins the stage. And knowing my luck, he probably DNS's before the stage even starts. <laughs> but it should be, uh, I don't know what I was going to say, it should be a good stage, but I'm not actually that sure. It might just be very similar to today.
0: What about GC? What GC changes are you expecting? I, I don't see Yates losing second position uh, to O'Connor or Hindley, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. I think he guards on 211, so he has to crash to lose. Uh, Hague is Hague is not going to f- beat O'Connor or Hindley, I don't think, to move up. Yeah. What do you think?
1: I'm looking at the top ten, and I feel like we might just see people that are in the top ten drop out of the top ten still. I think Ala Alaphilippe will be close to be able to get in the top 10 or not. It's going to be a close one for him. Because on the climbs, he'll be too slow. On the descents, he can get back the time that he lost on the climbs. But can he keep doing that on those three climbs? Granier, the one after that, the one after that? That's going to be a tough one in my mind. So I would expect Bernal to come closer. With Rodriguez, I don't know. I feel like he might get closer to the top 10, but I don't think he'll get into the top 10 because the two better riders on that team are clearly Bernal and Martinez, even though they're all very close to each other, to be honest. I just feel like people will get into the top ten that aren't into the top ten yet, but who are the victims of that? Who are the victims for of that? That's a very good question.
0: Who Martin
1: actually climbed well today.
0: I have a message for DSM. Tomorrow oh, is the day where you actually should pace Granier. Pool is in twelfth. The long climbs. He is a long climber. Yeah. Correct. You need to pace Granier to put Train Menkes Martin. Alaphilippe Martinez under pressure, who I believe he was better than those guys right. today. So you, th- they need to pace. Did
1: we stop just under Haig?
0: <laughs> Haig's just a smarter guy. dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: Uh, I agree that to be able to get to Haig, he already needs to do a lot. Haig looked okay today, so... But seventh is a good result believe, for him. Yeah, but I still believe that Max Poole, if the race is really hard, could end up near or in the top five in will be hard but near yeah. is possible
0: but 12th to 6th is a really good jump and i okay if Agreed. it was for Vingergaard or someone who cares but he's a young yeah. rider i think top 10 in the world in the most prestigious one week in in some people's eyes is a good result so they really need to make the race long and hard for for max pool uh tomorrow and and try put people like Mankeys under pressure and i not believe it
1: what i can not believe it man that you you just disrespected the world was a belgium tour
0: is Remco going to that, or, or not? No, he's going he to Swiss. Swiss,
1: right, instead? Because Phil the was was saying that he doesn't like that Remco went for the supporter side to Swiss, because Swiss is not paying as much as well as a Belgium tour would be paying.
0: <laughs> yeah, well. So <laughs> I got my views on there. Remco, a quick step. Will <laughs> <laughs> Ineos do a package deal? Ship all yeah. these guys out. Ferenco, maybe yeah. not. Anyway. Talking
1: about races.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, before you are... uh,
1: finish off the podcast, I want to mention uh, there's, a, there's been this French race in women's cycling through the Pyrenees that has been in a bit of trouble the last few days because I swear yesterday I was looking at images and there were cars everywhere on the road. A bus on in the last 1.5 kilometers, then cars coming in the opposite direction in descents today. Uh, like the riders. Actively chose to neutralize the start of today's stage as a consequence of what happened yesterday. And then they had a vote during the stage on whether the stage would even continue after motorbikes were going upwards through the peloton. So I've got a a bit of a take on this, and you probably agree. But on one end, I love having as many races as possible. But on the other hand, if races can't uphold the basic safety, then they shouldn't be on the calendar in the first place and race should be held accountable way more than they currently are
0: yeah and the women's calendars exploded there's so many races there's like la vuelta femenina goes from three stages to seven and then there's basque and burgos straight after me. we basically have a month of spanish we do have a spanish almost yeah. grand tour in all of may and then there's the scandinavian races pop up and now they have to contract because they can't get investment and it seemed like the calendar went from not very many races, and all of a sudden, there's so many, and then there's is that there coverage, and so it does seem to have gone from zero to hundred very quick, which is a positive thing that there's all these races. But often the teams can't actually, like, they don't have enough riders yet to field them at these races. But that's separate to the safety issue. So yeah, yeah I fully support the the peloton taking action today.
1: Exactly, that's the factor that we don't often see in men's cycling as much as we see in women's cycling.
0: Solidarity. in moments where
1: it's actually about proper safety, like crashes and stuff like that, that are organizer-fed. We see in this stage now, Madeleine van Geloof and um Rago, the La Patronas of the Peloton. Is that it?
0: You're the Spanish guy here. Come on. Patroni- um, Well, patron is <laughs> a French word. You're the French speaker.
1: Is it's Patron French? I thought it was Spanish.
0: Yeah, it's, it's French. Isn't it, it Spanish boss? too? Jefe is boss in Spanish. It works both. I promise you. I don't know what the going- f- feminine of hefe is. Anyway, Corinne Rigaud seems to be very well respected uh, <laughs> yeah. in the in, in women's peloton. Um, <laughs> and yeah, she yeah, that was good solid in the peloton. I will say though, Benji, it is the men's peloton on w- would do this for a one dot one. They won't do yeah. it in the tour. Uh, yeah. And I dare say the that those sort of things apply as well. They do. They try it on the Giro every year and the Tour de France. You never hear. You never hear peep um so but yeah adam hansen got involved um hopefully they sort it out um but yeah that was on today any anything else from zlm2 i think Coy looks on to win that in terms of gc i didn't see uh, it did he win yeah no yeah i mean yesterday it's still going today uh today's stage that's it i think oh, yeah we're early i forgot about yeah, that yeah, 350 Ooh, <laughs> you, crazy i know I'm gonna do the highlight video. All right, thanks to everyone for listening as always, and we'll see you the recap of the Bastille Grenoble stage tomorrow in the Dauphiné. Till then, ciao. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.